This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, a man who wouldn't embarrass himself if he couldn't roll his R's, Ryan Nelson. Justin, I'm just glad I never had to interpret interpret my parents' private parts issues to a doctor. Oh, <laughs> that would that have, would have to be awful. And then there are some other things that she has to endure that would be awful as well. Yes. We'll get into those in a little bit, I'm sure. But if you have been listening to the podcast since we started a few months ago, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you are new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about the 2022 Oscar winner for Best Picture, Coda. If you are new or regular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a $3, $5, $10, or $20 level, and when you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you can't be a patron, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do write us one, we'll read it just like we're about to read two. I, would, I did not realize that we had two new reviews on Apple Podcasts in our last episode, so I want to read those now. Uh, first one comes from Stephen Agustinelli. That we all, technically, it's S. Agustinelli, but we both know Stephen. Uh, Stephen gave us a five-star review. Thank you, Stephen. And he said, succession review finally pulled me in. Great work, gentlemen. So thank you, Stephen. Uh, also from another friend of ours, Brian Haydad, he said, uh, great podcast, great people, two guys who really know pop culture and bring it to the people. So thank you both, Stephen and Brian. We, we've been friends with Stephen and Brian for, for a while. You've been friends with them for a real long yes, time. Yes, both of them a very long time. So uh, we appreciate you guys. Look, hey, I, we've, I've listened to Brian, pod, uh, Brian Haydad do podcasts on Thunder and Lightning. I will shout him out real quick. Uh, if you've not listened to Thunder and Lightning, you're a Mississippi State fan. Go listen to Thunder and Lightning. It's a great show. Uh, and if you are also a Mississippi State fan, go visit Stephen Gustinelli's uh, message board, sixpackspeak.com. So uh, I'll shout out those guys real quick on the show as well. So, all right. Are we ready to talk about Coda? Let's do it. Got, I'll just go ahead and be honest with you. Uh, this one got me. <laughs> this one This one really got me. Uh, just before we get into it, just some general thoughts on, on the film. Because this is our – this is the – uh, uh, 2022 best uh, winner, for Oscar winner for best picture. Uh, general thoughts when you saw it. You saw it a lot sooner than that. Yeah, I saw it, I think, November or December. I remember it came out like in July or August because I saw, I kept seeing the trailer maybe when Ted Lasso was coming out. Yeah, I think so. And I was like, all right, this looks good. And I just held off watching it. And then I watched it and I was just like, this is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I didn't know. I knew it was about. CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Yes. That's what CODA stands for. It's an acronym. Uh, and I knew that's what it was going to be based upon. It was about this child. It was a coming of age story about a child who had two deaf adult parents and a uh, deaf brother. But outside of that, I didn't know much of anything else. Uh, so when it, we got, when I started watching it, and I realized music was going to be a huge factor in this show, it took on a different meaning for me. But uh, just, I guess what did you have any personal connection to this movie? Because I, I did, and I'll explain why in a second. You mean personal connections? Is that yeah. Said? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Nothing involving music, but I mean. You know, I think I've mentioned before, I, my parents are gone. So anything yeah. like this really 
like the the my dad has been gone a long time so the scenes with their dad were just absolutely gutting me the second time i watched it i thought i was gonna cry again uh he he just did a masterful job i know we'll talk about him more but that that kind of stuff you know just just really really got me and there's just something about a really well done coming of age story yeah there really is and for me this one hit home in a lot of areas uh like you said you lost your parents i lost my mom uh 15 years ago uh but this one Look, I, I don't know if I've talked about it here or if I've talked about it on our Patreon-only podcast. My mom was a huge movie lover. Absolutely loved movies. I mean, she had a, a, a bookcase full of VHSs, and it, which eventually uh, she started adding DVDs to them. Uh, but So whenever there's a movie like this that comes on that she would have loved, it, obviously it, it hits me. But what she also was, the reason this also really hit me personally, she was a huge lover of music uh she was a classically trained opera singer oh wow um, she uh was part of opera memphis for like 20 years or something like that if i'm uh, if, I can, if i remember correctly just incredibly passionate about music in general um and where this started to really hit home is very different reasons but my grand my grandparents her her parents were not supportive of her decision to possibly pursue music uh, and just like the parents in this aren't supportive of it uh to begin with they they weren't supportive of it as well uh she eventually went she started off going to northwest community college to try to uh, get a music degree uh she when my grandfather found out that she was a music major he had her pulled out because he didn't want he thought that was a waste uh, like i love my grandfather love my grandparents but it, it was a different time uh and that's just the way it was. They eventually came to support her later on in life. They they knew how they saw how much talent she had, how much uh, she loved what she did. But it was kind of too late for her to start really pursuing stuff because she had two kids. Uh, she was married. It was just you know life kind of got in the way at that point. Uh, but so that personal connection was really hitting home uh, to say the least. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I hope your wife and children were there to console you when you watch a movie like this. Because, I mean, that's just the parallels of your mom's story and that, man. That's kind of making me emotional hearing about it. Well, it, get, it got worse because, like, uh, my mom taught me how to sing. Yeah. Uh, I actually went to uh, I went to college on a choir scholarship. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, well, one of two. I had three. I had choir, band, and academic. Uh, so, but that was one of the things that I went to college on was a, was a choir scholarship. I didn't even know I could sing until I was a ninth grader. Uh, my mom asked me if I wanted to learn how, because she said, you have a nice voice? I said, uh, okay, I guess. And I just didn't know how to use it. And I found out what, through her, she, uh, how to use it. So, you know, just kind of like, uh, Ruby in this film had no idea really what she had. Uh, and Mr. V ends up kind of tutoring her along. That's kind of what my mom did with me. So, uh. This one was this one was wow. hitting all the the emotional heartstrings for me to say the least. Uh, you know, and when as soon as I realized that music was going to be pretty well involved, I kind of could see a little bit where this was probably going to go. I was like, "Oh crap! I'm going to be I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a mess by the time this, this movie is over." And to say the least, I was so. Uh, but but yeah, just just it was a wonderful film. I mean, it's one of the best films I've ever seen. It, it quickly got to, look. I've got some recency biases. Recency bias. Because I saw this movie on Thursday night. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. Uh, but just a great movie. And let's go ahead and talk about this. This It's a small cast, but it is 
some really great performances. Uh, just incredible. Yeah, uh, let's talk about obviously the main the, the main character who is Ruby. Uh, that is played by Amelia Jones. Were you familiar with Amelia before this? Uh, I remember looking at IMDb. I'd seen something she was in. I can't remember what it was, but not not really familiar. But I want to say the biggest travesty is that she did not yeah. not just get nominated, not but win. Best actress. She was Jessica Chastain for Tammy, the eyes of Tammy Faye. Great movie. Great performance. What Amelia Jones does is this movie. It, it, it all relies on her. Just like the story. This girl's British. Yeah, she is. So she had in nine months had to learn how to sing as an American, learn the American accent and stick also a Massachusetts accent. She didn't really, ham up the balsam which i appreciated she had to learn american sign language and then she had to learn how to sing i was familiar with with her from uh the netflix show uh, lock and key i don't know if you saw it i saw uh, it you know i never watched it but maybe i need to go back and watch it because she's she star. is she, the first season is not spectacular it's 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 good it's not great uh it's a little bit of a drag at points i'll say that but she is the best part of the of the show. She is by far the giving the strongest performance in that show. The first season, like I said, is not great. The second season is much, much better. Uh, the second season came out, I think at the end or maybe the fall of, of 2021, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, that's kind of where she kind of got her start. I think that's kind of what put her on the map a little bit, because I think that first season came out in 29, no, 2017 or 18. I can't remember when, but uh, that's about when it came out. And then this was obviously came out in, uh, 2021. So I think that's kind of what put her on the map. So I was, I was familiar with her. Uh, but yeah, she was spectacular in, in, in this movie. I mean, not only does she learn sign language, I mean, she makes it like she, she looks like she's been talking, she's been using and communicating in sign language her whole life. I mean, yes. she's able to give the emotion that mm-hmm. the deaf characters, the deaf actors who are actually deaf, uh, she's able to pr- uh, portray that emotion through it by using signs just the same way that they were. So it's just an incredible performance by her. Yeah, it really uh, was. I, I, I just I just don't know how she hasn't won more awards or been nominated. Yeah, uh, that, that will come, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, uh, it, when you start, one of, the, one of the problems when you start doing best actor, best actresses, when they start portraying real people, those will almost always... Yeah take on take on more weight and more gravity with with the uh with the voters of the academy and that's one one reason why i think uh jessica chastain ends up winning for that because I, I knew it as soon as you said it but i just couldn't remember but yeah i think it's probably if if this were like a real story she probably would have won yeah. I'll, I'll say that uh so let's let's talk about the dad obviously i played uh dad is frank who is played by tony is it kotzer or kotzer i think it's kotzer and i thought it was troy is it tony troy yeah i'm sorry yeah. troy i said i said tony but it's troy you're correct uh, uh what do you think about him what a charismatic son of a gun yes uh and we should note that he did win uh best supporting actor uh for this role as he should uh, have yeah, he should have. And we'll talk about some of the scenes on what I think really put him over the top for this. But just, just oh, a, a wonderful character. Uh, just absolutely. I mean, I wasn't expecting to laugh really that much in this in this film, but there are some really funny moments. Mm-hmm. And he, very very funny. Moment, and he provides a lot of them. Yeah, the uh, his uh, fart joke alone. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was that was a good one. Uh, but like I said, just just the way he portrays himself. I mean, when he's talking to the doctor about his jock itch. Yeah. I mean, just the way that he is describing it and the 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 <laughs> emphasis he's putting in it when he's giving the signs is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, I I, I I've never heard of this kid this uh, actor before, and it, honestly, because there's not a lot of out there for deaf actors. Yeah. Uh, but uh, really. Really good performance by him, and, and uh, just the way he expressed everything in his face, right. like you know, even though he's not speaking, just the charisma oozing yes. off of him. <laughs> I, I saw where he's about to be in like an Amazon TV show that they're, I think, building around him, which is a, oh, really? just a, about uh, this deaf uh, sports team, which seems okay. like a very good idea because this guy has it. Yeah, he does. He he's got he's got it in droves, to say the least. Uh, the mother of the family is played uh, by Marley Matlin. Her name is Jackie in the, in the film. Uh, interesting character because I think you see a lot of the dynamic between Ruby and Jackie I thought was interesting. They do a really good job of capturing just the difficulties that you know moms and teenage daughters can have. Yeah, and Marley Matlin's the most well-known deaf actor you know she had won an oscar in the 80s and i you know what i'd even look at i know i've seen her in a bunch of stuff yeah, I know. and I like I, ca- I can't remember what all i've seen her in but also this is such a good role for her because she's so beloved and she's so like when you think of her you think of this just you know beautiful person and then for her to play a like a, a, a character like this that that can be very, very tough at times. Right. Like she was another one. I don't know why she didn't get nominated for best supporting actress. Cause she really does a lot with her role. Yeah, she could have. I, mean, I, I don't know. I guess it gets, the, I, I don't understand how they, they go about getting nominations. I mean, there are sometimes there, there are, there are roles that you know that somebody's going to get a nomination for. And there's some that you're like, okay, how they not, but it, like I said, I never can figure out how they go about getting, doing that. But nevertheless, that, uh, you could have nominated a lot of people from this, from this yeah. film. There's a reason it won Best Picture is because, and like I said, a lot of it is because of the performances, and it's surprising that it just didn't get as much attention from the Academy for uh, for the performances, to say the least. So, uh, let's see. The brother of the of the show is uh, let's see. Oh, Daniel Durant. Uh, he played Leo. He played the brother. I liked his character a lot, uh, just because I think. He was really trying to push his parents in the direction that they needed to go and the, in a direction they didn't want to go. He didn't want to rely on Ruby so much, and they did. And I think he was really a key point in getting them to the, understand that they can't rely on their daughter to be around the entire time. Yeah, he was. It was a. He did a wonderful job. A complicated role, like you said, because you couldn't tell if he was being the jealous brother or. Right. But also, I think he was being the overprotective brother because he realized she wasn't going to be able to live her life. Uh, so yeah. he, he he really did a phenomenal job. And I saw where he's a Broadway actor. Yes, he is. Yeah, so he, he's actually had a very good career on Broadway. So so good for him. Very good looking guy. So hopefully people write some deaf roles for him. Yeah, that, that would be good for him. Uh, it would be really good for him and this entire cast. But yeah, like I said, it, just a really complex a complex role like like you said i mean he was he didn't want his sister to to not pursue her dreams but he also didn't want the family to continue to rely on her so he had a lot going on that he had to portray in a very limited capacity to say the least um 
One of my favorite characters of this, though, is uh, Mr. V. I'm not going to embarrass myself because I can't roll my R's. Uh, so I'm just going to call him <laughs> yeah, Mr. V. Yeah, I can't v. either. Uh, so, but uh, he was played by Eugenio uh, Derbez. I guess that's how you pronounce his name. First time I'd ever seen him, but I absolutely loved him. Yeah, uh, he actually is a very famous Mexican actor. Oh, is he? Uh, he, he, like, starred, wrote, directed uh, a Mexican comedy for a long time, like in the 90s and 2000s. He's very popular. And he's been in a bunch of movies. If you looked at him, you've probably seen him in something. Probably. Uh, he's tried to make it in the, the U.S. He's with some success. I think this is going to be a huge role for him because he is yeah. so good. You're right. He's another one that should have gotten more. Of course, being against Troy Kotzer, that would have been tough for him, and probably why he yeah. wasn't—he didn't get more attention. But I really loved his character. I think he—I'd seen some of the other stuff he he has been in. It's more silly, like right. really silly stuff. Uh, and so, but this man, he just—which is incredible character. Yeah, like I said, I, just because of, like I said earlier, you know knowing what my mom was. I mean, she actually ended up, she had to do it on a part-time basis, uh, but she ended up being a choir teacher uh, probably towards, right when I started college is when she actually was able to teach choir, but she had to do it on a part-time basis. She wasn't a full-time employee at schools or anything like that. But, I mean, one of the reasons why in DeSoto County, the reason why DeSoto County has, like, a lot of, there's eight school districts. Most of them have really good choir programs, but one of the reasons why that is is because she started it at Olive Branch High School, and it is, it is and those choirs were struggles because it was brand new, uh, wasn't a popular thing to do, but it grew from there. And one of the reasons why there are so many good choir programs in Olive Branch, in, in Olive Branch, in DeSoto County, in this area that I live in, is because she started it. So I really connected with him uh, and just what he was doing. Uh, very different personalities than what my mom had and what he had, obviously. But nevertheless, it was just, I really had such an appreciation for him just because of that, to, to say the least. So uh, last character we want to talk about before we get into this kind of the movie itself uh, is played by uh, Ferdia. I think he's, I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, Ferdia, Ferdia Walsh-Pilo, who was Miles, who was the love interest in the movie. Uh, I feel kind of bad for him because... His, I thought, was the least interesting character. And it just, when you had these other really strong characters that were going to really shine in their roles just because of their, just because of their characters, I, I think it was, he had a difficult uh, task to try to keep you interested when he was on the screen. And it wasn't necessarily his fault, it's just, it's just the role itself. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And just the performances that were being done by everyone around him and how much more like plot and, and their right. characters are written, written was hard for him. Uh, when I was, when I was looking into him, I was like, man, he's got a punchable face, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he does. it was, it's the haircut, but also, yeah. but I wanted to mention he is in a fantastic movie that also involves m music. He's Irish. He is in a movie called Sing Street that was a pretty big okay. hit uh, in 2016. He was a, it's about a kid in like junior high that uh, decides to start a rock band to impress a girl. And it's a really good movie. It used to be on Amazon, but I don't, I don't think it's, I saw it streaming on there. It's called Sing Street and it is okay. really good. He's the star and he sings and everything. Okay, cool. So I didn't uh, want I didn't want to punch him after that. I forgot how much I enjoyed that movie. <laughs> well, that's always good. You don't want to punch anybody. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk, kind of talk about this movie. Some I thought it was. 
I thought it was an interesting way that they did this because I, I don't think they play it really safe with this film. That's one of the reasons why it ends up winning Best Picture, in my personal opinion. Is because, honestly, when you have deaf characters, it's really easy to make the deaf characters the sympathetic characters. And it kind of flips the role on this. And it's the hearing character, Ruby, who's the sympathetic one and not the deaf characters. What do you think? Yeah, you're right. That is... I did like that flip. And I'll tell you what's something that really got me, and it was actually Frank said this, when they, they were kind of arguing, uh, Frank and Jackie were arguing about about uh, Ruby, like she, Frank was kind of saying she needs to leave that, right. you know. And he, he said she was never a never baby. A baby. Yeah. And no, you realize, oh, man, I was like, man, this, she's never been a kid. The minute she could speak, she's had to interpret from them and, and, you know, just to do so much. She, she's, and, you know, you saw her that one scene where she actually could be a kid when she, when her and miles go and they play and she skips fishing for one day, right. you know, it's just like, she never got to do that. You know, and th- what's interesting about this is as great as the movie is, as much as we're singing its praises, as I was doing some research into this film, the deaf community has very mixed feelings about this. I don't know if you, Looked into I this. saw this, yeah. Because they don't, they, as much as they like the fact that they're getting, you know, kind of some awareness and people and they're showing, shining some light upon the deaf community in this film, the deaf community has not liked the fact that they really think that this film portrays deaf people as like helpless without hearing yeah, people. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, look, I. I'm not deaf. I'm not going to try to like say you're wrong or, or whatever. Uh, I will say this. I, I didn't get the same impression. And the reason I don't get that same impression is because of the role that Leo is playing in this film. Uh, like I said, the uh, I think the mom and dad, I think they got lazy uh, with having Ruby. Uh, I think once they once they had Ruby and she started talking and you know that she got past her her, her her speech issues, which they kind of mention a little bit in in this in this movie, that she had some speech issues, which would be make sense for I mean, yeah. a child of, of, of deaf uh, a child of deaf adults, uh, and she starts communicating. You know, instead of trying to go out and making sure that the doctor has a, a sign language interpreter, instead of making sure that there's a sign language interpreter to go with them on the boat, they just bring Ruby along, uh, and. It's easier to just have your child who can do it, who's no sign language, who knows who knows your parents, who knows the family. It's just much easier and a simpler thing to do than to actually go out and find it. And like, and Leo seems to be the one that understands that we can't do this our entire lives. Uh, so, like I said, I don't want to say that they're wrong. I'm not going to say the deaf community is wrong about that. I just I can see I can see why they say that. But I can also see where I think this movie is trying to address that, if that makes sense. Because they, they even yeah. mentioned that there is a video relay that she could, that, uh, what was her name? Jackie could yeah. use to talk to her mom, but she'd just rather have Ruby do it for her. So Yeah, I, I think you make the right point. I understand their, their complaint on that. Uh, right. I, th- I think, you know, the fish selling stuff. I, th- right. I definitely think that could be done, especially Leo, and he can write mm-hmm. and everything. Now, when they're in the boat, that would be much harder. But I think yeah. you made the very good point. These parents got lazy because they had Ruby. Right, which is interesting because you have that scene in uh, Ruby's bedroom where she's talking to her mother, and she says, do you, do you wish I had been deaf? And 
the mom's like, yeah, I do. I mean, that was a yeah. really interesting scene where she actually admits, you know, I prayed that you would be deaf. And you're like, well, that's kind of a heartless thing. But when she explains, you know, I was afraid we wouldn't be able to relate. I'm afraid we wouldn't have, we wouldn't, you wouldn't love me and all this type of stuff. So it was just a really great scene. I, I'm so glad that scene was in there because it really did. Uh, it, it it was I was glad they addressed that and I was mm-hmm. and, and like you said her explanation made so much sense. What a great scene! Yeah, it really was. It was actually a, a, a wonderful scene. I will say this: I thought the movie at first it was it was a little slow paced at first. I personally thought the first like twenty minutes or so because they're trying to set up the family and all this type of stuff. I thought it was a little bit slow paced, but once they kind of get into the music and you start to realize where the story is going to go, that's where it really starts to. Put its hooks into you. I don't know if you thought it got the same. See, I didn't, uh, and I've watched it twice now. And I thought from the very first scene, you could just something about the when she's singing, you could tell her her dad and brother are kind of jokey. You could just tell from the very first scene that just the tone that they were bringing that this was going to be a heartwarming movie, right? And it was going to be really good. There was just it was something about the way the camera looked. I don't know. I I had the feels immediately. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah, it took me a little bit longer, but I, I can, but I see what you're saying. I mean, there was, you could tell there was something to this movie, and like I said, I just had a hard time figuring out what that thing was going to be. I wasn't sure if it was going to just be, if it was just going to be the relationship between the parents, and like I said, when I realized it was going to be music, that's when I really got uh, hooked into this thing, so. Uh, this movie has tons and tons of powerful moments in it, uh, lots of them. Uh, I've got a few. So let's, uh, and you can add any that you want to add in. But the first one I was going to talk about, just basically any moment that Ruby and Mr. V are on screen together. Yeah, I agree, uh, I agree with you. Their chemistry together was fantastic. Uh, him pushing her and no, you know, not accepting the, you know, she has a built-in excuse. I, I, my parents rely on me because I'm the only hearing person in the family, and they rely on me a lot, so, you know, there's little I can do. He wouldn't accept it. I mean, he just wouldn't accept that as yeah. an excuse. Yeah, and I liked how, you know, he obviously when when he realized who she was. Yeah. And he and he heard about the bullying because obviously he mentioned that he had been bullied. Right. You know, being a, a Mexican mm-hmm. uh, student, you know, in the U.S. and have an accent and everything. So you could tell that he immediately connected to her. And I love how, like, he would bring things out of her, like when he was asking her to d- describe what music feels to you. That was just right. a great scene, too, and yeah. how she used sign language to, to describe yeah. it. Because that's how she's communicated so much throughout her life. That's just what came natural to her. And I love the fact that he describes Bob Dylan as glue. And yeah, that was funny. That was great. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, another one that stuck out, we just kind of talked about the scene where Ruby asked her mother if she wanted, uh, wished she were deaf. Uh, so we just talked about that one, so I'm not going to talk about that again. Uh, the moment at the dinner table where Ruby reveals her plan to go to college, I thought that was a just another powerful scene uh, because you've got a lot going on there. Yeah, I agree with you. And just their reaction of, oh, yeah, she may want to go to college. Yeah, and they're not, they, they don't like this idea. They, yeah, yeah. Uh, the dad kind of understands a little bit, but he's not just on board. The mom's completely against it. And Leo is, it, like it's like you said earlier, he's he's got a lot going on there. And he realizes that his parents will never stop relying on Ruby. He realizes his sister is not going to live out her dream. Uh, so, He's completely against this idea of not, uh, well, he's completely for her wanting to go, and he's completely against uh, his parents, you know, buckling at it, any at all. So uh, lots of things going on there. 
Then we start to get some other ones I had on here, the entire choir concert. Yeah. Uh, just the way that they do this because, you know, Ruby's sitting there watching her, her parents the entire time that she's singing. And she can tell, you know, that they're bored. I mean, and it makes sense. They can't hear a thing. And so they're sitting there signing, you know, what are we going to have for dinner? What are we, you know, yeah. all this type of, type of stuff. But where it really hits home is when they start the duet. And, you know, we're, we've kind of been... They've been talking about this duet throughout the course of the entire film. We haven't heard much past, like, the first verse. And we think we're finally going to get this this incredible duet between the two of them. And then they cut the sound. And that's when you're like, oh, crap, we're not going to hear. But we're getting it from, from Troy's perspective. And he starts looking around. He's seeing the people react. He's seeing the woman crying. Uh, and that's when it starts to realize... We, she's got to go and, and she just has to go and that that was just such a moving scene to me yeah i, I agree with you it was i almost got like chills in that scene just yeah. th- that that had to be like his oscar scene because just that, like you said when he's looking around and he's seeing how like emotional people are from his from what his daughter's doing uh you could just tell that like it, it is really getting to him yeah, that scene has to be one of his actions, but the one that follows it immediately after, when they get back from home, and he says, tells his wife, he says, you know, I, I need some air, and Ruby gets on the back of the tailgate with him, and he says, sing it for me, and he starts touching her vocal cords, because he, he wants to feel something. Yeah. Uh, that, that one, that, that got me. Uh, I mean, that was just such an emotional, emotional scene, and... You know, that's one of the things that uh, Mr. V is trying to, to has been telling her all along is that he wants her, he wants the emotion from her because when you're emotional, when you're singing, that's when you're going to really, you can sing great when you're not emotional. You can't, but you, you sing memorably when you have emotion attached to it. And that's when, that's probably the best rendition of that duet that we hear throughout the course of the entire the course of the entire movie because she, her emotions are so strong at that point and she realizes that her dad finally understands even though he can't hear a word she says and he has no idea how talented she is he understands at that point that's what just really drove home for me yeah and it's the other thing of as we mentioned just how much acting he does in his face because right. he can't speak, and he just shows all the ranges of emotions. Just, man, what an incredible performer. Yeah, it, it was. It, he, they both are knocking out of the park. In yeah. That, in that scene. And as powerful as that one is, we get to the audition, and she's at the audition for Berkeley School of Music. And, you know, first, there's, there's a lot that goes on in this. First and foremost... You know, she doesn't think she's going to get to go to this because her, her parents, have, she's pretty much just agreed to her parents, you know, you know what, I'll just stay. It'll be fine. I'll stay. And the next day she's woken up and she's half an hour late, they say. And when she gets there, so she's in a rush to get there. She forgot her sheet music. And that's when uh, Mr. V comes in and that final, uh, that final beam of support he's providing to her. He's like, I'll play for you. Uh, if you, if y'all don't mind. And he can tell. I don't. I guess I don't. How musically inclined are you? Uh, not not very. I, okay. I, I could. I knew that. I could tell that he knew she wasn't on, and that's right. when he started the song over. Yeah. So I mean, you can tell. It's what's great about this is if you're not just real musically inclined, you might not be able to tell the difference between when she first starts and when she 
uh, starts back over. You can there's a just a little bit of difference in just the confidence that she's yeah. that she's that she is singing that song with, and it picks up a little bit when he messes up on purpose and he, you know, he kind of gives her a little head nod and he's like, all right, let, let's do this. But so she does a little bit better. But then when her family sneaks up into the balcony and she sees them, and then it, it just it goes up another level. And then it hits its peak when she starts signing to her parents and to her brother so they can see what she's singing about. And, and I don't remember what the lyrics were, but I remember thinking this is a very appropriate lyric for what they've been going through. Like I said, I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. There was, I'm trying to remember too, but it was some of the lyrics were talking about how uh, – I, I can't remember, but it was it was her story as well with them because she right. was their protector and the right. one you know taking care of them. So yeah, it was uh, man that was powerful. Even even the you know the music uh, the audition people were right. looking back up and they they felt it as well. Yeah, they did. Uh, so yeah, that that was really good. You know, and this as much as this is a coming of age story about her, I felt like it was a coming of age story for her parents as well. I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe I, I thought I got the wrong impression of that, but I really got that impression that, you know, they had to kind of grow up too. Yeah. Yeah, they did. You're right. And I'd even think about that. You know, you hate to use the word lazy when you talk to them, but they had gotten to, you know. Uh, maybe lazy is the wrong word. Complacent. Maybe yeah, complacent on her. On her. Right. Uh, anything other yeah, there are scenes you want to bring up or anything else you want to talk about. I mean, like I said, it's not a movie that is just like, it's just such a moving movie. I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff. We haven't even talked about, you know, the scene where her parents are having some special time together. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, was there anything that didn't work for you? Let's yes, let's talk about that. Well, I was going to say, uh, I was going to mention one more thing, okay, and then we'll get to that. I really like that the fishermen, the other fishermen, really respected them. Yeah, and, and that's and you what could, I liked about it is they didn't think they did. Uh Troy and Troy really thought they didn't. He thought they yeah. didn't care anything in the world about him. But Leo's like, you know what? It's fine, and they did. But yeah, you're right. Go ahead. But, go yeah. ahead. but from the from the from the get go, you could tell the other the others liked them. Like they would invite them to come have a drink with them, right. and, and they, you know, and they only did that that time when Leo went. But you know, besides that, you could you could tell they really cared. But that that was the one thing I wanted to mention too. But to me, I. I don't know. You're going to have to explain to me what didn't work. Cause... Well, nothing did. That's the reason I was hoping okay. to okay. I mean, this, and like I said, there could be some recency bias of this. And like I said, it just hit so home for me uh, in just so many ways. Uh, I couldn't find anything to complain about with this film. Well, uh, I mean, I watched it a second time. Right. And I was just as choked up and as emotional, you know, the second time. I bet if I watched this again. You know, I would feel the same way. This is a thing, you know, I've heard some people, uh, some like critics and stuff that, that like this movie, but yeah. they're like, well, this isn't the one that's going to last. It's going to be Power of the Dog or one of the other ones. That's right. that's bull. Right. This is the movie that you could watch every year and you're still, it's still going to make you feel all that stuff and you're going to love it every time you watch it. I will say this, this is a very emotional movie. If you don't like movies that really tug at the heartstrings. This isn't the movie for you, to say the least. Uh, this, because this one, it does that. And there were probably some people, I guess some people would probably say it's a little bit too sappy, maybe, at times. Uh, but there's a difference between sappy 
And between that and telling a story, uh, and this one tells a very, a very tough story. I mean, look, is there are a lot of funny moments in this? But there's a lot of tough moments. I mean, yeah, the frustration. I mean, it's very what what you were talking about with the excuse me, with Amelia Jones, and the reason why she should have gotten recognition. It would be very easy to hate her character because she gets so frustrated with her parents so often, and. You know, it's not it's not in us as in our nature as people to sympathize with somebody who is frustrated with disabled people. Uh, yeah. And there are numerous times when she is so incredibly frustrated by her parents and the things that they're doing, the things that and it's not that they're doing anything bad. It's just that they're not letting her be a kid, like they like uh, Troy said in, in in the movie. She's never been a baby. Yeah, and that that builds on you as a as a child at some point, and that's what they do so well. And what I love about her character, I think she's only like nineteen years old, so this isn't like some twenty five year old that they're getting to play, you right. know, a seventeen year old. Uh, it was just a great performance by her, and like I said, and you're one hundred percent correct. She deserved more recognition than what she got. Yeah, and I was going to say I saw some of the like critics saying this is gimmicky, like Green Book or ah. those type movies. I totally disagree. There's yeah, no there's no gimmick about this. Yeah, this not. is a, a totally different story we've not seen before, and just like you said, the stuff that's addressed in this movie, like you just mentioned about you know how hard it is for a, you know a deaf child, and then the the real conversations that the parents have with her. You know, we haven't seen anything like this, especially to, with this tone and with the humor. And just and it, again, you leave when she does that sign at the end that says "I right. love you." You you feel it. Yeah, you do. You you hundred percent feel it. So, just just a wonderful wonderful film. Like I said, I, I knew I would like it going into it. It just it, I'd heard too many good things about it. I'd heard too many uh, good stories about it. And I, I knew I would like it, but I was un, I was unprepared for the emotional connection that I would have to this film. And it was just an absolutely incredible experience to go through it. Uh, like I said, it's, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, there could be some recency bias with that, but it, it gets pretty close to the top of my list of all time favorite movies. To say well, I can understand that. And I was actually recommended some friends and one of my friends, Brian McDuff, who listens to this podcast, he was like, he read the synopsis and he was like, why would you think this interests me? <laughs> and I, and I, I read the synopsis and like, okay. Cause it was more about her singing and learning how right. to be. And I was like, go watch the trailer. Cause if you right. watch the trailer, you, you get the, you right. get some of the tone and you get some of the humor. And then I was like, you're, you're going to enjoy it. This movie is much funnier than you think it is. Yeah, it, it is. There's, there's quite a few places where you're laughing. I mean, at the end of the film, when he's when Mr. V is intro, uh, introducing himself to her parents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another hilarious scene. <laughs> that was absolutely absolutely hysterical. But, yeah, I just love, love the whole thing. So. All right, do we want to do awards Let's for do it. Our, our film? That, it's one of enough, but I'm sure it, you know, next to its best picture, it will be happy to have our yeah. our, our, our friends' awards. So, um, but if you're new to the new to the podcast, uh, we do every time a season of a show wraps up, or whenever we watch a movie, we give out six awards that are based on the six characters from Friends. So, obviously, next to best picture, who wants to be the Rachel? I mean, what is that? What is a best picture when you could be the Rachel? Yeah. Uh, what is the who was the Rachel of this show? I think we're both going to agree on this. Yeah, it was the person who should have won Best Actress. It's Amelia Jones. 
Yeah, she she was definitely uh, Billy Jones as Ruby was the star of this movie. Uh, just to, we we have heaped praises upon her performance, and we can heap a little bit more. It was just a really great job by her to, to like I said, make a what would have been a difficult character feel sympathy for to make us feel tons of sympathy for her. And, and you know all the stuff that she had to do, like we mentioned before, the singing. The English language, right. the accent, the the learning sign language. Not to mention, this doesn't work at all if she's not good, and she yeah. was superb. Yeah, she was. She was. She was absolutely incredible in, in that role. So, all right, the Joey. This is a character that isn't necessarily the star of the show, but just one of your favorites, one that you just liked a lot. So, who is your Joey for uh, Coda? I had to go with the guy who won the Best Supporting Actor, Troy Kotsur as Frank Rossi. Yeah, I went with him somewhere else, but uh, I I do give him one. But I went with this is where I went with Daniel Durant as Leo. Uh, I just liked him. I liked what he liked. So I liked the fact that he seemed to be recognizing some things that his parents didn't recognize. Uh, he yeah. seemed to be recognizing the fact that they were relying on her his sister too much. He seemed to recognize that they were you know he didn't like the fact that they were taking her dream away from her. So like I said, that's one of the reasons I went with with him as my Joey. All right, what about your Chandler? You're, you're, you're the person who made you laugh the most. I went with uh, Eugenio Derbez as Mr. V. That's a good one. Uh, he made me laugh a lot as well. I went with, this is where I went with Troy Coetzer uh, as Frank, because uh, he made me laugh quite a bit as well. I mean, yeah. we talked about the fart joke. We talked about the scene in the doctor's office. Uh, there's a lot of his, de- his description to, to Miles about what oh, he doesn't yeah, need to do with his daughter. <laughs> Gosh, I've forgotten about that because he gave a visual description yeah. of, 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 of that as well. So, <laughs> just uh, oh, yeah. and like I said, just charisma and just humor oozing out of the bath. Yes, I mean, it, I mean, poor Miles didn't even know American language, but he knew exactly what uh, <laughs> what Frank was telling him, to say the least. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, both both are really good. But why did you go with uh, Mr. V as? As your Chandler, uh, he just—I—I I, I thought he had a lot of really funny scenes. I'm trying yeah, to uh, just some of his lines, like she interrupts him when he's um, uh, meditating. Meditating, yeah, <laughs> and just just some of the little lines he said to you know to the students. Yes. Uh, this and he—he he has a lot of personality too, and he was able—he was able to harness it in a way that he wasn't like uh, overbearing right. or, or just too too jokey. Yeah. But just a perfect amount of mentor, but funny and loving at the same time. All right, so our Phoebe—that is the next award. It is the quirky character, the character that's kind of hard to stand, understand, the character that has some oddities about them. Who was your Phoebe for Coda? This is where I went with uh, Daniel Durant as Leo, okay. because you just didn't know what his character was exactly because of this, the issues with, you know, was he a jealous? Was he overbearing? Where where was his, you know, situation with the parents? So he had a lot, lot to deal with. Yeah, he did. This is where I went with Mr. B, uh, Eugenio Derbez. The reason I went with him is just because, I mean, music people in general are kind of, 
odd. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and, and he definitely was. I mean, he had, he had some oddities. I mean, the whole breathing like a dog, the, you know, your small dog. But, yeah. You know, and that, I will say this. That is a, a thing that you will see a lot of times in, in music classes and in choir classes. But just by nature, music people are different. I mean, my, look, like, I talked a lot about my mom. This my, my mom was different. She was very eccentric. She was very different than he was. Very different, kind of different, but... They're just different. They, they're, they're their own breed of people, and that's the reason I went with him. Uh, all right, you're Monica, the person who plays a pivotal role in driving the plot forward. Maybe it's a character you like. Maybe it's a character you don't. Nevertheless, it's a character that does a lot to drive the plot forward. Who is your Monica? I picked Marley Matlin. As, I did as, as And let me mention one other thing about her. In the production of this movie, she was the first person cast because she's a big name. Yeah. And so they were going to hire non-deaf people in the father and son role and she fought for that and she was going to not not do the job if they did that and she also had worked with uh troy kotzer and daniel durant uh they they do a lot of uh theater work there's a los angeles deaf theater uh troy kotzer actually talks a lot about it in his uh his Oscar speech, which I highly recommend going to watch. Yeah. It is it is really moving. But she uh, brought so much to get this movie made, to get it off, you know, because of her, uh, just all that she brought to here. She, she's just, just, just a phenomenal person. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with everything that you said. Uh, just her role in the, in the film itself, she has a lot that she has to do. She has to, you know... She has to play the abrasive person in this. She has to play because she is by far of all the people in this. She is the least on board with having Ruby go to college. She's the least on board with having Ruby pursue her own dreams. Uh, and a lot of this has to do with you know mother daughter things. Uh, you know, just the you know you're my baby. I mean, she says that in that, that scene where they're arguing. Uh, where she and Troy are arguing, uh, you know, she's my baby. She's always going to be my baby. And so this letting go of, of her baby is a difficult thing. It's always going to be a difficult thing for mothers. It's always going to be much more difficult for mothers than it will be for fathers in most circumstances. Uh, so just, you know, she does that so well. Uh, that scene that we talked about where she's saying, telling Ruby about how she had prayed that uh, Ruby would be deaf because she wasn't sure that they would be able to communicate, that they'd be able to get along. Uh, just a great performance by her to say the least. Yeah. All right. Our last one is the Ross, your least favorite character. There's re- it could be a least favorite because, uh, you didn't like the character. It could be a least favorite because the person who performed you didn't do a very good job. Who was your Ross and why did you choose them? So I'd even look up these actors names, <laughs> but it's the main girls. Yeah. That like, was uh, how dare them. Yeah, that was her name. The character's name was Audra. I can't remember. Uh, the, I actually did see her on uh, the cast list. Uh, but yeah, she was a mean girl, and I, I did not go with her. Uh, my Ross was uh, Ferdia Walsh Pilo as Miles. It's like I said, it's not because he did a bad job. Uh, it's not because I thought that he was a. Uh, or that the character was unlikable. I just thought he was the least interesting. Uh, it, it's just the nature of that role, to, to be perfectly honest with you. I just didn't think he was that interesting, but like I said, that's just me. So. Yeah, and I do like how they were like, would you come see me in Boston? And they were like, yes. yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, mean, you know, we didn't have to like, she went to Boston with this boyfriend. So Right, so that, that, it was interesting that they took that route. I, I know. I they did, so. 
Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and rate this. If you are new to our show, we have a rating system where we give a uh, we rate it one of five ways. If it's the top of the top, the best of the best, we give it a Game of Thrones. If it is just beneath a Game of Thrones, not quite that good, but still really good overall, we give it a Lost. Middle of the road for us is a Friends. Just beneath Friends is a Full House. And at the bottom of the barrel is Baywatch. Where does CODA fall on the rating system for you? So I love this movie like Frank Rossi loves rap music. And it, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and it vibrates my butt and my whole body. Uh, this, this is a Game of Thrones yeah, it, it is. I mean, as much as we've talked about that, if you're surprised that we're giving you the Game of Thrones, then yeah. that's on you. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely Game of Thrones. It was, like I said, just an incredible movie, incredibly powerful movie, uh, one that really hit me home, to say the least, uh, but just absolutely wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got the chance to watch it. So. I, I would watch this again, and I, this was, that would be my third time. Yeah, I, I do plan to watch it again. I only got a chance to watch it once, but I plan to watch it again at some point, so... All right, since this is the midweek episode of our show, we don't do uh, recommendations on the midweek episode. We do things that we're looking forward to. So what are some things that you're looking forward to in the near future? So I have one thing, and it's more of a sort of a topic. I'm interested to see where Netflix goes. Okay. So do you remember the show Archive 81? Yes, it has been canceled. It's been canceled. Right. It was the top show on Netflix for a couple of weeks. Netflix right. for a couple of weeks. Uh, it was. It had even made the streaming top ten for Nielsen. Right. Like it had done well, and they still canceled it. Yeah, I know. I don't, so their decision making process at Netflix is is interesting to say the least. Th- this is what I'm concerned about. So I read an article with another show that was canceled, The Babysitters Club, that was pretty popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the showrunner from there was saying. They look at some algorithm or data that shows like they want you to binge it in a couple of days nonstop. So if you start and stop a show or if you only watch one episode and then move on to something else, they don't want that. And I think that's horrible, especially for shows like Archive 81, uh, because it is a suspense action sci-fi almost some horror there are times where you're like okay one episode's enough and i don't i don't understand that like the mike flanagan shows like midnight mass and those that are that have a little bit more horror like there's some of those you only want to watch i don't understand this if if this show is the number one show on your platform for two weeks that means you should continue with it yeah so like you said like you know we've already talked about uh, I know we kind of talked about it on Patreon, and maybe we've talked about it on here. We've already talked about their content has kind of gone down the last couple of years, right. especially Ozark's about to be off and Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I don't understand what they're doing, and especially when they're canceling shows like this that I, I think could have gone on for several seasons. Yeah, they've got such a different model than all the other things, than Amazon, than Disney Plus, and all those that are... They're releasing things pretty much on a weekly basis uh, with like because that's pretty much where all the streaming services. Maybe they're doing two at a time or three at a time or whatever it may be. But for the most part, they're releasing everything. Uh, they're, they've got something. It's periodic. They're not doing everything all at once. Netflix's big thing is the binge. So if they're not, I think this is the reason they do that. If they're not hooking you in to get you to watch something in like three days, then it's not meeting what they're set out to do but it's like you're right then if that's the case if that's what they want 
they have to re uh, they have to rethink the type of shows they're producing because there are some shows that you just you need a break from. I mean, yeah. you, you you can't you don't want to binge certain shows because it's just too emotionally taxing. It's too uh, much on your brain, whatever it may be. There's reasons why you don't binge. You know, five episodes of something and finish it in two days. There there are reasons for that. So, like I said, if they want to keep that model, that's fine. If that's what they want to do, but they have to rethink some of their their decision makings when it comes to uh, the shows that they produce. And I was going to say one more thing on this. There's a lot more content and streaming platforms before when you had you know House of Cards right. and and you know the beginning of Stranger Things and there wasn't all these other streaming platforms. You know people would watch something that whole weekend. There's a lot more options out there. They yeah, need to they, take that into account. Yeah, like I said, they've they've got some they've got some real decisions they've got to figure out, and they've got some things they got to figure out if they're going to continue to do what they're going to do. And they better figure it out quick. Yeah, they do. They do. And like I said, because they're going to get passed by real quick. I mean, they're charging an arm and a leg as it is now. I mean, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to cancel them if they. I haven't gotten there yet, but they're the closest I have to. I'll just fire them back up whenever there's something I want to watch. So. All right. Uh, I actually have three things. Uh, first thing I have is I'm taking my daughter back to the movie theater for the first time since the pandemic. Uh, we the, the last thing, it's very appropriate, the last thing that she saw in the theater was Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, we'll be going to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, oh. So we'll, we'll be going to do that. Look, I will say this. The first one, I, I mean, it's okay. It's not great. Uh, but it's better. It's far better than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be trash because every video game movie is trash. Uh, and that second, that first movie was actually pretty decent. The second movie actually has a pretty decent cast. I mean, it's got uh, Ben Schwartz, who we yeah. love from the After Party. Uh, it's yeah. got Jim Carrey. It's got Idris Elba as uh, Knuckles. Uh, it's got uh, the spa manager from White Lotus. Was that Belinda? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's in it. So oh, wow. It's, it's got a pretty good cast in it. So I'm, and I've heard pretty good things. So, you know, I'm hoping that it won't just be, all right, my daughter loved it. So that's all there is to it. I'm hoping that I can find some enjoyment out of it as well. Uh, so we'll be doing that on Friday of next week. Um, the second one, Slow Horses on Apple TV Plus. I don't know if you've heard about that. I saw the trailer. That looks good. Yeah. Uh, it, we're recording this on April 1st, the day that it actually released on Apple TV Plus. So I do plan to watch it. It's one, it looks, it looks absolutely like a ton of fun. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. My last one is trying to figure out the subtitles on Panchinko. Have you have you watched Panchinko yet? No, no, I haven't. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to. My wife is actually in the middle of the book, so I guess we'll probably wait until she finishes. Okay, so yeah. here's the thing: I started watching it on my iPad, and like they give this thing about the subtitles, and like make sure you turn the subtitles on. They like to tell you it's it's done in Japanese and Korean. Uh, so if you want to have subtitles, make sure you have them turned on. So I thought I turned them on, and like, it, the first segment of it is great. I'm sitting there reading along. It's fine. And then it like, gets to the introduction, and after it gets to the introduction, all the subtitles, like, switch to, to Japanese, and I can't get the English to come up. I'm oh, like, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm like, look, and it, look, I, I'll be honest. It looked like a boring show, but, like, that first little introduction, I was kind of pulled in. I was like, okay, I, I think I'm going to like this. And... I couldn't figure out the subtitles. I think it may be the fact that I was watching it on my iPad. Uh, I think there's like, because I read and I like went and looked up and I was like, what am I doing wrong here? This this shouldn't be this difficult. Uh, but apparently like you can like click a button on like if it's on your TV or something like that. So I'm hoping that 
when I actually watch it on television that that will be easier to work out because I couldn't. I'm sitting there like they start t- talking in Japanese and like where are my subtitles? Why don't I see subtitles? And they just weren't popping up. So I've like tried to figure out I couldn't. So I'm hoping I can figure out the subtitles and start watching that. But right now I have not. So uh, that's where I am. I'm hoping I can figure out the subtitles. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else you want to add before we head off into the sunset? just want to thank everyone for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. I will echo those same sentiments, and as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams be